guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Arsidio's ESL Podcast. And today, oh my God, it's a very wonderful day. You guys are listening to this in advance, but I'm so happy because author Yvette Rose, who I actually did a podcast with on my personal development podcast, she, I thought she was just going to send me one book, uh, which was one of the books, obviously, that she had written, uh, but she ended up sending me all six. So I got one of the books right in front of me, and it says, Healing from Breakup, Reimmersion and Rediscovering Your Path. I think this is probably one of the most interesting ones because, oh my God, I'm just so excited. I am so excited. It's so amazing, guys. This is a person that I reached out to on Instagram, had almost close to 50,000 followers. I brought her on two of my podcasts, and she did the amazing thing to message or actually send me six books from America. Oh my goodness gracious. So excited, man. You know, getting books, man, it's like the most exciting thing ever. It's like Christmas for me. Some of you get in books, you're like, ah, and you throw it away or you set it on fire, right? But nonetheless, guys, I just wanted to give you that nice little story. Today, we're going to be talking about sprawl. We're getting into a newer segment. Fast food outlets around the world. We're talking about the global spread of companies. So I'm going to give you this little infographic first. So fast food outlets by country and per person. So what we have, we have six, well, let's just say we have five. The no data doesn't really count, and that goes for Madagascar, uh, the majority of Africa, and uh, what country is that? Like way up there. That must be Iceland or something, or Greenland, one of those. Uh, And that looks like, uh, okay, Vietnam and India. India. No, 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 because Colombo, Sri Lanka is right there. So what country is that? Must be Myanmar. Yeah. So nonetheless, regardless of those countries, fast food outlets per million people. Per million people. So we have below 10, between 10 and 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 200, and above 200. And of course, if you guys already know, or if you want to take the wildest guess, the only country to have above 200 fast food outlets per million people is America. And what just so happens, you know, oh, I'm sorry, not just America, America, and I'm sorry, United States and Canada. I want to emphasize that because America could also mean South America, it can mean Central America too. So the United States and Canada, And America just so happens, I'm sorry, and the United States just so happens to have the most obese people on the planet, 200 million of them. What's really, really funny uh, is that the news, they sensationalize from time to time, and they like to point out the likes of Tuvalu, Tokelau, Palau, and say, oh, well, no, these are the fattest people on earth. The the majority of the population. No, no, no. Listen, 200 million in America are fat or obese. If I go back home, as fit as I am, even going onto a scale, and it's saying that I'm obese, although I have no fat on me. If I go back home, my family, they're going to say, ew, you're skinny, ew, oh my God, are you okay? Are you going to die? That's what they would say to me, because the norm is obesity. Kind of sad, huh? If I sum up all the other countries, obviously India, uh, China, they have below 10. And there aren't that many overweight people in those countries, although India is beginning to climb a little bit. Uh, A couple of countries in the Middle East, as well as Egypt, is below 10. 
Uh, I'm trying to look at this country in South America because I know Chile. I know that's not Chile. That must be Ecuador. Uh, nonetheless, I know Ecuador, uh, Peru, or Venezuela, or Colombia. It's one of those, or about three or four of those. Uh, they also have below 10. All right. Now, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, they have 10 to 50. Saudi Arabia, if I'm not mistaken, if they're on the south side of that little, I think it's the Dead Sea. I don't know. My geographics isn't the best. But yeah, they're not too good. Um, ooh, but England, Ireland, and Wales, you guys are stacked between 50 to 100. That is not really good. That is a bad reputation. Australia, you guys are at a staggering 100 to 200. So what does this mean, guys? Well, it doesn't really mean anything. Because just because they have a bunch of food all over the place doesn't mean you have to consume and stuff your face with a whole bunch of bad food. The best diet I've ever been on in my life is here in Thailand. In America, my mom would buy, every time she went to the store, she bought, let's just say $100 worth of food. About 80% of that was frozen. Anytime it's frozen, they put a ridiculous amount of preservatives and sodium into the food. I remember I was doing an externship at a dental practice. It was on Spring Mountain Road back oh, 10 years ago. <laughs> Goodness gracious, 10 years ago. Wow. And I remember this lady, Bridget. She was, uh, what was she? She was actually one of the assistants there, the only assistant there. And while I was eating, I was eating something called a hungry man. And I was having crackers. And she was like, Arsenio, you might want to lay off that. And I'm like, why? She's like, listen, I had a heart attack just recently. And I'm like, oh. She's like, look at the back of that. And I looked at the back. And I finally understood maybe two, three years later that that hungry man, you know the daily value? You know the DV, the percentage on the back of the, the table of contents on any type of product that you buy that is uh, delivered in a box? Probably five of those categories were at 300%. That means it's triple the amount of the daily, uh, the, the day, the daily uh, consumption that you should consume every day. So that means if the sodium was packed with 3,000 milligrams, it was probably plus 100 and something percent, probably about 250%. And so I said, oh my goodness gracious, this thing is killing me. I used to eat a pack of saltine crackers like it was nothing. You know what? As a snack, just sitting in front of the TV and just watching TV, I would have a pack of saltine crackers. Saltine crackers and Tampico, which is saturated with tons of sugar. Until, of course, I joined Herbalife. And for those of you that don't know, it's kind of like, Am well, I wouldn't say it's like Amway, but they have just spectacular products, man. I love the protein bars. I make some of the bombest shakes ever. The cookies and cream and the pina colada, it's fire. But nonetheless, when I went into that, I'm like, oh man, I really need to understand this because this lady over here who brought me into the company and started telling me all these things and her story, I realized that I was eating trash. So I started buying healthy food. And then my brother started hating me. He was like, why are you buying healthy food? I'm like, well, I got to get what you're eating. Is, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's repulsive. These companies in America are looking to kill you guys. Maybe they're not looking to kill you. You have to make a decision to buy the garbage that's in that. So when I came to Thailand, my first month here, I swear, it was so hard for me to adapt. So every day I always, because it was so hot, 
I always felt like I needed a sugary drink. So I always brought like an orange sun kiss is what they would call it out there in America. Fanta. Uh, well, American accent, Fanta. Uh, but Fanta. Fanta. I have to say Fanta out here in Thailand or else they will not understand me. But oh my God, I would always buy that. Then I realized, you know what? I cannot keep eating KFC and doing this every day, every day, over and over and over. So I started switching the diet going into another province until finally I came to a province just north of here. Uh, of Bangkok, you know, being in the outskirts in the southeast, the south, and then finally relocating to central. I was able to get a wide variety of different things. Yeah, sure, I still get my burger from time to time. Sure, I still get my pizza from time to time. You're never going to deny me a pizza, a burger, and certainly fried chicken. But normally I eat chicken every day because now my diet consists of always an egg. I eat at least one egg a day, which is crazy. But this egg comes in a container along with some rice, and chicken. Now this chicken, it has a lot, a whole bunch of herbs in it and whatnot. Um, I get a salad at least three times a week and there are four different salads that I choose from and it's called Jones Salad. I get that right after I work out. If I do a high, let's just say for example, on Thursdays at the end of the month, uh, Thursdays, they end up being one of the most difficult workouts ever because we have to do a Navy SEAL workout in the gym that I go to. So it's 100 deadlifts, 90 squats, 80, 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 10. You have to do everything. And so after a workout like that, I got to get more protein. So I'd probably consume about 50 grams of protein. Guys, why am I telling you this? Because we're going to be getting into food in general. So my diet, I had to switch it. I have a great amount of awareness now. My energy, my body, everything feels amazing. Yeah, okay, sometimes when I wake up in the morning, my legs, it takes probably about five, 10 seconds to warm it up because maybe I'm just like, I don't know, it's frozen at night because I got the air on. Who knows? Who knows? But I feel as healthy as ever or as I've ever felt in my life. And it's because uh, I had a, a made a conscious awareness to finally switch up everything. So do you eat at international chain restaurants? That's a question for you guys. Do you eat at uh, international change restaurants? We're talking about, of course, the McDonald's. See, the McDonald's is called comfort food. So if I'm in the likes of Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, or Oman, or something like that, and I'm like, dude, I'm hungry right now. I don't want to try out new food right now. I want to try out food that I'm familiar with. That's the familiarity rule, right? That's the TOEFL IBT. If I haven't taught that one yet, you will be hearing it soon. Yeah, that one right there, mm, it is fire. So yes, I'm always going to go, oh, you know, I need to get some beef. Okay, hamburger, I know that's going to work for me. When I was in Vietnam the first time, I was like, man, what is all of this? <laughs> I got, man, I said, man, I need a McDonald's. They didn't have grab taxi or anything at the time. Now they have grab food, and now it's very easy for me to order food, although I'm not in Vietnam, obviously, often. Here in Thailand, I do not know, not often, not often. I don't touch Burger King much anymore because I think the prices are too much, okay? I get, I get pizza maybe once a month. It's once every four to six weeks. It's perfectly fine, okay? And me, I'm a guy that works out. Well, I always do at least 20 minutes of cardio every day unless I have to skip it. And on the day I, don't, and on the day I skip it, it's terrible. So me, I'm not a person that eats at international chain restaurants unless I'm traveling, unless I need something. See, when you're hungry, you do not want to revert to trying something new for the first time. When I got to Singapore airport, when I was flying back to Thailand just last year in April, I said, man, I'm hungry as hell, I'm hungry as hell. And guess what, right there, 
right before you check in and cross immigration, they have Nando's. If you're unaware of Nando's, that's one of the greatest restaurants in Australia. It has expanded, obviously, to Malaysia and Singapore. Thailand has something called Piri Piri Chicken, which is just a tad. Uh, no, it's not. A, they tried replicating it. Let's just put it that way, and they kind of failed. But nonetheless, it's pretty. It's pretty close because they call it, you know, the Portuguese. But it's also very, very delicious. Nando's. Yes, I'm going to get myself some um, some grilled veggies, some Spanish rice, and some chicken. It's actually extremely healthy. So what makes a company successful globally? Like when Starbucks left Washington, we're talking Seattle, Washington, and just ended up taking off and building this empire around the world. Ty Bev, I think is the number one, the number one CEO, the, the richest billionaire in Thailand, of course, apart from the government and the higher ups of this country, which have trillions in assets. But Ty Bev, the owner, he bought out Starbucks, and now Starbucks is going to be as common as 7-Elevens. But let me put this into perspective. I am absolutely for the green tea latte in uh, Starbucks. I think it's the most magnificent drink on the planet. Delicious beyond belief, okay? I love green tea. It's phenomenal. However, there's another cafe by the name of Amazon that's ran by another billionaire just a couple slots below him in the list of the top 10 richest billionaires in Thailand. And that specific individual, he owns something called Amazon Cafe. Now, the customer service is far less, uh, it's, it's not as great, depending on what cafe you go to, but it's cheaper. Typical ties, okay? We're talk, I wouldn't say typical, but I, I'd say the low, a, a, any class can buy it. When it comes to Starbucks, only middle to upper class can buy it. Because most Thai people, they only get between, what, 300 for the lower, but I'd have to say 500 to about 750 baht a day. So if they spend 180 baht on a drink, that's 25% of their salary that's gone. Unless they're making probably 2,000 to 3,000 baht a day, that's not gonna be very good. So guys, what makes it successful? Obviously the brand, the logo, I'm not all for Nike. If we look at Nike, you know, Nike, they've been around forever, but I think their product is way, way below anything. Under Armour is my fire because Under Armour, they treat the employees with respect and they give them wages. They don't work in slave houses such as what Nike puts Chinese people through out there in mainland China. So this is why I step away from Nike. Plus their shoes are trash. I've wore the shocks. I wore the free ones, the free twos, free threes. And then finally I said, man, in 2012, my knees were hurting. My calves were hurting. My shins were hurting. I said, Listen, I can't do this anymore. I need to get new shoes. And I said, well, Under Armour's apparel is by far way better, way better than Nike. So how about I try some Under Armour shoes? And so I did. And then it was the game changer. Sure was. Ended up changing me forever. And so, yeah, I'm going to go with Under Armour because they took care of me. When I did all those crazy Spartan races and Tough Mudders around the world, those Tough Mud, those, those Under Armour shoes, I still have them. They're on my balcony right now. They're not retired just yet. We're going to put them back into action probably soon, but they're still doable. I could still do miles in those shoes that I've done probably over 50 kilometers in over the span of, what, six types of different races. So, guys, that's just some perspective. So, if we look at it, what happens to the local competition when a successful outsider moves in? Well, local competition, they actually end up faltering. This is why the country of Estonia has banned all international 
All international companies, I'm talking McDonald's, Starbucks, everyone from coming in, especially Starbucks, because they said Estonia has the most wonderful cafes. And if Starbucks comes in, all those cafes are finished. That's what I really love about Estonia because they said they, we want to preserve our culture. And in order to do that, we're going to have to shove away some of this. So they said to hell with your money, Starbucks, to hell with your brand. You stay away from our country. You can go saturate China with that. So China has like 5,000 to 10,000 different uh, Starbucks around the country. But it's fascinating, isn't it? Like, I don't remember seeing a Starbucks in Vietnam, or I didn't three years ago. Last year, I don't remember seeing one in Ho Chi Minh. I'm pretty sure there is one now. Uh, but three years ago, no way. There were just many cafes. You know what I love so much about the lot Vietnam? Everywhere you go, there's a cafe. These cafes, uh, 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 my friend said that they were for indigenous people. So if you walk by a cafe, it just has a couple of TVs, a bunch of chairs, and Vietnamese people who didn't even know each other would just sit down and just talk to each other in the cafe. I was like, dude, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. But there is no Starbucks. There is no McDonald's. There's nothing in Dalat. So something to consider if you're planning on <laughs> moving to another country, right? Or moving to another city that doesn't have the international market, such as what, of course, Bangkok has. So that's what happens to local competition. So what's going to happen to this trend in the next 20 years? I really do not know what would happen in the future. I do believe that there's, there's more of an invading than it is a spreading. You know what I mean? Like, I do believe that Starbucks, it's more of an invasion. I have nothing against Starbucks. I have nothing against the CEOs. I don't even know what the CEO looks like of Starbucks. But I guess only the strongest will survive. And so if Starbucks comes in and everyone's like, ooh, Starbucks, and they run away from your cafe and go to Starbucks, I guess that shows that brand loyalty is stronger, you know, internationally than it is locally. So with McDonald's, it's always good to just make that conscious decision. See, like, if I'm really, really hungry, would I hurry up and go grab a burger at McDonald's and stuff? I get McDonald's if I have to once a month. I'm not going to get it anymore because there's a lot of local food right around here that I could just pick up. But when it comes to other people and tourists, that's always a safe haven. That's always comfort food because that always reminds you, oh, yeah, McDonald's, they can't go wrong with this. It should be delicious. But here in Thailand, they basically make every food in the world even better. So the best hamburger I've ever had is called 25 Degrees at Pullman Hotel. Pullman is very popular out here in Asia. Uh, I don't think Pullman's in America, if I'm, uh, if I'm wrong. I, I can't remember any American brands. The majority of the hotels in Las Vegas are all old anyway. Caesars Palace, that was built like 30 years ago. MG MGM was like 50 years ago. They're just all old. And a lot of people say, well, they renovate it, but they're still old, okay? Thailand has the most beautiful, magnificent, gorgeous, and it just seems like it's new every year. Unless you go to like the Dusit Tani or if you go to the Bayok Sky, those have been around for like 30 to 40 years. But nonetheless, people, I'm just trying to put it into perspective. You know, if you look at brands, this is why I got so giddy when I realized Holiday Inn went into Ho Chi Minh City. I was like, oh my God, because when I went there three years ago, people, 2016, I had to stay at this hotel that gave me zero security. 
Like I had so many friends in Vietnam. One, she was a business owner. This other one was like a hairstylist. This other one had visited me from another, this place and that place. I had like four different friends. And because my folks out, or the folks out there in Ho Chi Minh City who just stand out there in front of the hotel, they're so nosy, unbelievably nosy. And they look at me bad and they look at her bad. Now, that was three years ago. Of course, I wouldn't give a damn anymore. I just ignore people like that. But to have people just standing in front of the hotel, calling taxis or doing things, and then not minding their own business, it becomes a problem. So when Holiday Inn moved into uh, Saigon, um, now you have a sense of freedom. That's how it should be. Not only that, but investors are now pouring into a country like Vietnam. They now have the, internon uh, the Intercontinental Saigon Hotel. I think it's the airport hotel, which is very close to the airport, which I stayed at. Well, no, I did not stay at. I stayed at a roach-infested hotel. That was after one of the worst trips ever. Oh, my God. Anyways, but that was never there three years ago. So Vietnam is now saying to themselves, hey, man, let's start letting these investors come in and start pouring into this country. Vietnam is on such a rise that it's unprecedented. Meanwhile, Thailand is completely falling flat. So if we look at trends and looking at different opportunities, it is very important to preserve the culture such as what Estonia is doing. But at the same token, if you become heavily reliant on one group of people or on one different sector, you will shoot yourself in the foot. For example, China, the disease that they developed through their wildlife trading out there, repulsive, they are the number one when it comes to tourists who come here. We're talking, they make up the bulk of all tourism throughout the year here in Thailand. So if Thai, you know, and of course the government, they would never go so far to shut down the borders uh, to, with Chinese people, although they are infected because it's money, money over lives. Remember that. And so what happens? They come in here and they could potentially spread the virus even more. But nonetheless, when you become so heavily reliant that you have to say, no, we have to keep accepting Chinese people in here, although they possibly have this or that, and we can't do this, we can't do that, all these different things. But what ends up happening is it clouds you and makes you realize that you're only reliant on one group of people to bring money in. What about the labor sector? What about the production sector? What's happening with the farms? Droughts are happening, which is hindering everything else in terms of growth and the crops and doing this and doing that, which is going to further raise prices in this sector. And so then you're saying, oh, well, we really need the tourists. We need the tourists. No, you need to figure it out because all sectors, it went from it being just the, uh, the production sector and now the labor's gotten hit. And now you got the financial sector, which the bank has taken a massive toll now too. So while Vietnam is on the rise, this could spur the end for Thailand. So guys, we got to talk about trends. We got to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about everything. So many amazing things we're going to be speaking about in these next, what I'd have to say about 20 to 25 episodes. So guys, thank you for tuning in to a very, very long one, man. I'm your host as always. Stay tuned for more. Over and out.